0: It's a Minimalist Monday edition of Optimal Finance Daily, Episode 736, What to Get Everyone for Christmas, Part 1, by David Kane of Raptitude.com. And I'm your host and narrator here on the show. My name is Dan, and a very happy Monday to you, and a Merry Christmas Eve as well. This is where I read to you each weekday, even holidays, from some of the best personal finance blogs on the planet. And before we get into today's content, have you subscribed to our other four podcasts? We cover personal development and productivity, health and fitness, business, relationships, and much more. Simply search for Optimal Living Daily wherever you're hearing this show to find all of our shows. For now, let's get right to our post as we optimize your life. What to Get Everyone for Christmas, Part 1, by David Kane of Raptitude.com Every Christmas, after the initial flurry of present opening, we'd toss all the paper into the biggest box we could find. Sometimes the cat would make a bed of it, and she seemed pretty comfortable. So when I'd walk down my back lane to learn what toys other kids got, I'd imagine gathering every family's paper in one giant pile and jumping into it like raked-up leaves. If the homes on our little street would have made a pile the size of a minivan, then the entire city's paper would surely make a pile the size of a small office building. You could jump from a plane into it and be fine. Each city in Canada would contribute another building-sized pile every year until you had an entire city of crumpled gift wrap. The paper from the US would make it 10 or 12 times larger. A decade's worth would be unimaginable. It occurs to me only now that the gifts that came in that paper would make an astronomically larger heap, an entire death star of toys and kitsch, having come at a cost of about $5 trillion. Gradually, I began to realize that while having new toys is a wonderful feeling, nothing was quite as wonderful as unwrapping them. The high topped out in the morning hours and wore off faster each year. By January, our family's joy level was always about back to normal, maybe a little lower and the decorations and ads that were still around by that time only made me sad it was over. The new stuff was still around, but it was no longer so new, and Christmas didn't leave me with the net gain it seemed to promise. What we were really buying was the swell of awesome feelings that crested at about 9am on the 25th and then gently drained back to sea level. The items we end up giving or getting at Christmas are usually entirely ephemeral, A typical American or Canadian has received thousands of dollars in Christmas gifts throughout his or her lifetime and would be hard-pressed to remember getting the vast majority of them, let alone tell you what those gifts are doing for them now. Ultimately, they're brought up to stir the magic and promise of Christmas, and they do. But often, that's all they do. The bulk of consumers' Christmas trillions is spent trying to buy an intangible thing that we can call the magic of Christmas. Some of this magic certainly comes from outside the shopping aspect the closeness of family, the warmth of sweaters, and boozy board game sessions. But that's the free part. The vast majority of the spending arises from chasing the ecstatic feeling of Christmas morning one felt as a child, even if you're grown up now and only want it for your children. The rest of the year, we would call this feeling abundance. It's not a feeling particular to Christmas, but for a lot of kids, Christmas morning represents the abundance feeling at its peak concentration. The first days of summer break gives a similar high, but it's spread over a much longer period and so it's never quite as dazzling. There is also a minor spike in the fall, the evening of Halloween. In each case, the abundance feeling is glorious but fades quickly. I don't want to dismiss the lasting meaning of this magic or these gift-opening experiences. Some of my best memories are of those glowing days surrounding my childhood Christmases, But the gift-receiving part was absolutely central to making those days glow for me, and I think this is true for almost every child. Experiences of abundance are intoxicating and unforgettable, and we seek them everywhere in life. But for many of us, we never find them so dependably as we do at Christmas. There are ways to create abundance that are far less costly than through traditional Christmas shopping, though, and which keep it going much better. Only later in life would I start learning to get that abundant feeling from simple luxuries like walls, socks, food, and visits with loved ones, and would it appear more evenly throughout the year. Gifts that give. Christmas gives most generously to those who are doing the selling. The vast majority of everyday people are on the losing side of the enormous exchange of value that takes place during the holidays. As nervous as the word inflation makes people, Cash itself does a much greater job at retaining its value than most of the stuff we spend it on, and this is doubly true at Christmas. The holiday mall-goer typically trades money for things whose value fades much more quickly and never had as much to begin with. Imagine buying an investment that's almost guaranteed to lose half its value in 24 hours. That is the range of investment quality we're talking about for most of the shopping that goes on in December. That's because we don't think of Christmas purchases as any kind of investment, and even if we did, we don't know another way to go about it. The pivotal understanding in moving from unhealthy finances to healthy finances is learning this. Feelings are what you're actually trying to buy with every purchase. Every thing we want amounts to a feeling we want, and so everything we buy amounts to an attempt to buy a source of emotional experience, even if we don't realize it. This is true throughout the year, but at Christmas in particular, we open our wallets out of conditioning and momentum rather than a clear-minded reflection on the real value gained for either ourselves or the recipient. When you feel like you're buying abundance, it seems like you can never buy too much. In terms of the joyful feelings and quality of life we're actually seeking with our purchases, there's a vast range in return on investment. Some people make terrible investments their whole lives by making purchases that are enormously expensive, give only a few moments of pleasure, and come with a bag of potential health and social issues hard drugs and prostitutes as an extreme example. Every year, a gazillion consumer dollars go towards buying similarly short-lived feelings, often junk that may make someone smile for 10 seconds when they open it, but never does anyone any other good. The joy-per-dollar rate for most Christmas gifts is probably pretty low in most families. When you think that people often go into high-interest debt to fund this losing exchange, it goes from silly to sad. To be continued. You just listened to part one of the post titled What to Get Everyone for Christmas by David Kane of raptitude.com. And this is a bit of a longer post, so I broke it into two and I'll finish up the rest for you tomorrow. And before we go, if you haven't done so already, please do check out our other podcasts, which cover a wide range of topics. Uh, We narrate a lot more blogs for you to help you optimize your life in many different areas. So to find all of those shows, just search for Optimal Living Daily, wherever you're hearing this, and be sure to click subscribe. And that'll do it for today. Thank you so much for being here and being a subscriber to this show. And I'll be back with you tomorrow to finish up this post on Christmas Day. So I'll see you there, where your optimal life awaits. Hello, Life Optimizer. This is Justin Mollick, creator and producer of this podcast, but also Optimal Living Daily